This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 151. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. The cold of winter is here. A cold that's much more bitter in some parts of the country than others. Especially Buffalo. And in Buffalo, New York, and all around the country, this is still very much a time to stay vigilant. Looking to the end zone for the win! He caught it! Ball game! Chiefs to the championship game! These two guys know each other! Unbelievable! This, this is just unfathomable! The Bills had won this game! It was over! Josh Allen with a perfect postseason! Unfathomable indeed. Tony Romo was right. The Bills had won the game over the Kansas City Chiefs. It was over. Josh Allen, the spectacular QB of the Bills, did have a perfect postseason. But when it came to overtime, in maybe the best playoff game we've ever seen, that didn't matter. And fairness didn't matter because of the ridiculous NFL overtime rules. Because of those rules, Josh Allen, QB of the Bills, would never get a chance to even step back on the field in overtime. Because of the ridiculous NFL overtime rules, if you win the coin toss and score on the first possession, you win the whole game. The other team never even gets a chance. One of the best playoff games ever. And that was a tragic way to end it. NFL overtime sucks. A score on the opening drive should not end the game. And I'm sorry, Buffalo. I'm really sorry. The system is broken badly. But it's not just the NFL overtime system that's broken. The American political system is broken too. Badly. And the stakes are so much higher. We can't get things done. From oversight of two decades of war in Afghanistan, to immigration reform, to action on gun violence, even an easy thing like infrastructure almost didn't happen. But our system is broken badly. And more and more people across the country realize it, including Stevie Wonder. Any senator who cannot support the protection of voting rights in the United States of America cannot say that they support the Constitution. Stop the hypocrisy. Cut the bull-ish. If you care and support our rights, 
do the hard work. You can't please everybody, but you can protect all of us. And to keep it all the way real, the filibuster is not working for democracy. Why won't you? Music legend and longtime activist Stevie Wonder is right. Cut the hypocrisy. Cut the bull tish. I love how he said that. But he's right. The filibuster is not working for democracy. Congress is not working for democracy. And our system is not working for democracy. And just when we thought our broken system couldn't take any more stress, we got some more breaking news this week. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring. Breyer, now 83 years old, was nominated by Bill Clinton back in 1994. And this will be Biden's first pick for the Supreme Court. And it might be his only one. Odds are he'll pick a black woman. He said that. And the pressure is already on him to do that. With calls coming from across the Democratic Party, not only from black leaders like Anthony Brown and Ayanna Presley, but from white Democrats like Senator Patty Murray of Washington. And the Dems should be able to pass Biden's nominee for the Supreme Court without a single Republican vote. But just when you had enough, cue the next installment of the ridiculous and infuriating Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin shit show. The worst show in recent American political history will be back again. Like another COVID variant messing up another family holiday, Manchin and Cinema will be back in the headlines playing games with whoever Biden nominates. And our guest today is surprisingly a fan of Cinema and Manchin, a rare member of that club, which I am not. More on that in a minute. But whether you're a fan of the gruesome twosome or not, you have to admit that our broken system is about to scream with dysfunction at a whole new level. Just when we thought the culture wars in America couldn't get any hotter, strap in, folks. Between this and a possible war in Ukraine, it's going to be a wild few weeks. Because our system is broken badly. We need change in our political system and to NFL overtime rules and in our media, and in our elections. For the NFL, it's obvious. Give both teams a chance to have the ball in overtime. Don't let the coin toss decide the fate of both teams. And in the Senate, don't let the filibuster decide, or Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema decide. In elections, don't let the corrupt and self-interested and self-perpetuating two parties decide. Let the voters decide. And there are local changes happening at the state and local level that might provide a model for the rest of the country. Like in Alaska. You probably haven't seen this unless you live in Alaska. Alaska voters won't have party primaries this year. Their top four choices in an open primary for each race will compete in a general election where ranked choice voting will determine who the winner is. That is, of course, if the new system survives a court challenge. But this model is unique and would probably encourage civility and cooperation across elected officials. And the sponsor of the initiative is a Republican-turned-independent former state lawmaker named Jason Gren. And he's calling Alaska a test case. And there are now similar efforts being considered in other states, including Nevada, 
it might be a huge way to change our terribly broken election system. But our elections aren't the only systems that are broken. Our Congress is broken, and our media is really broken. Badly. And in the media, the change is even more urgent. And maybe even harder. Because the money in the media is in the heat, not in the light. And the partisanship of the media and the misinformation in particular is poisoning our country and literally killing our country. From the stupid NFL rules to the stupid Senate rules to the stupid voting rules to the stupid media hosts and shows, the stupid still has an incredibly strong foothold. The stupid remains stubborn and resistant, like the virus. And even more, like the people who resist the common sense approaches to stopping the virus. Yes, as we go deeper into 2022, the only thing more contagious than the Omicron variant or NFL playoff bandwagon jumping is the sickness of the stupid. The stupid continues to invade our politics, our media, our Congress, our football, and even our music. If you haven't heard, Meatloaf died from COVID this week. The legendary rock singer and fan favorite from Fight Club, his name was Robert Paulson, died. And it's not confirmed, but likely he refused to get the vaccine. In a recent interview, he said he was getting tired of pandemic restrictions and he was complaining about power-mad flight attendants who make people wear masks. Look, I'm not going to make any meatloaf jokes. I loved his music. I think it sucks that he died and that he died that way. And if you're like me, you probably have people close to you who, like him, have been passionately anti-vaccine. And maybe, like me, you know more people who have refused to get the booster and or the flu shot. Well, Meatloaf's death is just the latest reminder that the pandemic ain't over. And the stupid continues to spread. And it's still a good idea to get the damn shot. It's a patriotic thing to do. Ask our Olympic team. Team USA is 100% vaccinated against COVID for the upcoming Beijing Olympics. So there's that. And to all of you that are afraid of needles, I feel you. But my six-year-old and two-year-old got their flu shots today. They were afraid too. But they're more afraid of getting sick and of missing stuff. So they sucked it up and they got the shot. And they cried a little bit and they got a gigantic donut afterward. And an hour later, they were fine. And it's a testament to the rise of the stupid, that after posting a tweet a few months ago about my son getting vaccinated, that I still get nasty attacks on Twitter daily. People telling me my kid is going to die, that I'm a bad parent, that I should rot in hell. The stupid is still rising, people, keeping so many of our broken systems in place. But we're fighting the stupid. We're bringing together a wide range of people from all backgrounds. Like a Gilligan's Island of media, those of us that want to bring light to contrast to heat, that want to fight the stupid, that want to fix the system, with Gilligan, the skipper too, the millionaire, and his wife, 
the movie star, the professor and Marianne. And also on the island are so many others, like when the Harlem Globetrotters came to Gilligan's Island and Don Rickles and Zsa Zsa Gabor and Kurt Russell. Did you know Kurt Russell was on Gilligan's Island once? Yes, he was. And some band called the Mosquitoes. They're all coming together. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailor and the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. They're all from different backgrounds and they're all joining our movement and helping us turn the island of sanity into a continent. We're changing the system one move at a time, one space at a time, one episode at a time, one guest at a time. And in this episode, we're adding another brick to that foundation, staying focused on the media, like we did last episode with Soledad O'Brien. If you haven't heard that one, go check it out. It's one of our most popular in a while. But we're also zooming into the bigger picture of where this independent movement is now and where it's going and continuing to identify the systems that are broken and offering solutions to fix them with leaders who are up for the fight and ready to be the change we seek. And our guest in this episode has been focused on all of it, as I have, but long before I have, and is here to help us explore all of it. He's a longtime political commentator, radio host, TV host, best-selling author, and maybe the single most high-profile political independent in the media. A guy who served as guest host for voices on all sides of the political spectrum. He's been a guest host for Chris Matthews and Bill O'Reilly, for Chris Cuomo and for Glenn Beck. And now he's the host of his own show. He also could be my stunt double. He's a guy with a great haircut. And he's a guy with an even better position on the political landscape. The one, the only, Michael Smirkanish. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. He's a rare voice of reason, a lonely voice for moderation, and a man who is very much stuck in the middle with you and with me. That's the song that Michael Smirkanich plays on his radio show every day. He's on Sirius XM POTUS every day from 9 a.m. to noon, and they replay it from 9 p.m. to midnight. He's also on CNN Weekly on Saturdays at 9 a.m. He's got a YouTube channel, a newsletter, and his own website, Smirkanich.com. And he's got a unique position in the media landscape. He's an independent island in a sea of partisans. He's been pretty lonely out there for a long time like the Gilligan of independent media voices. But things are changing. More and more Americans are joining the movement of independent Americans. More and more voters are choosing none of the above. And more and more young voters are choosing to choose no party at all. And Gallup has another new poll out this month that confirms it. An average of 29% of Americans now identify as Democrats, 27% as Republicans and 42% of Americans are independents. 
the percentage of independent identifiers is up to 42% from 39% in 2020. In just one year, it's up 3%. And this trend continues. For the last few decades, it's been continuing. At least four in 10 Americans have considered themselves independents in all years since 2011. Before 2011, independent identification had never reached 40%. And now it's over 40% and growing fast. Michael Smirkanish has been on an island. But volcanoes all across the ocean are busting through, spewing fire and creating new islands, including this show and our media company and other shows that are on the way. And soon, Michael's Island will be part of an archipelago of independent voices. They're all different. They're all unique. But they're part of a broader movement, a movement focused on looking forward and fixing this broken system. And we're going to dig into all of it. What does it mean to be independent? We're going to analyze the field of independent candidates from Gary Johnson to Mike Bloomberg to Arnold Schwarzenegger to Adam Kinzinger to Andrew Yang. We're going to talk about how to be independent in the media and how fucked Biden is right now with independence. We'll talk about Neil Young versus Joe Rogan. We'll talk about UFOs and UFC. The systems are broken, but not beyond repair. The NFL overtime rules suck, but it was still the best weekend of NFL playoffs we've ever seen. Despite its problems, we still love the game just like we love our country. But it's time for change. In the NFL, in Congress, in our elections, and especially in the media. So it's time for us to meet the moment. No matter how bad things look, you can't give up. Just like Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes showed the world. And his coach, Andy Reid, said it best. You still have time to get the field goal, but it looks pretty grim there. What, do you have any special advice to Pat right there? Do you have any words for him at that point when Buffalo took the lead for the last time? Yeah, when it's grim, be the grim reaper and go get it. No matter how grim things are in America, it's time to go get it. It's time to stay vigilant because vigilance is the price of freedom. There are clowns to the left of us, jokers to the right. But I'm glad to be stuck in the middle and to be stuck in the middle with you because that's the path to the future. Because this is no football game. It's the future of our country. And after the last election, the insurrection, the pandemic, and the last year of madness, we're way past the fourth quarter. Welcome to Overtime. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 151. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. I am very excited about the guest joining us today. He's kind of a spirit animal of this movement that we are a part of. I consider him a guy who's who's blazed the trail for independence everywhere, especially in the media, and a guy whose path I've crossed many times but haven't really gotten to have a substantive discussion. So I can't think of a better time to welcome, finally, to independent Americans, the great and powerful Michael Smirkanich is here. Welcome, sir. Animal spirit is a compliment. I like it the way you've used it. So that's great. I've just never been referred to that way before. Well, we could also call this conversation uh, two bald white guys with beards who are independents in media who used to back up Chris Cuomo. I don't know. (laughs) That's true. It's a small club. It it is. You know, I went back to try to figure out when we met. uh, And the earliest record I could find was 2006 when you were hosting uh, Scarborough Country. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. And you had me on with Ilario Pantano. We were talking about yes. Iraq. It yes. was a long time ago. Ilario Pantano. What a name from the past. And and the uh, the Scarborough show, I, I need to remember the role that I played in that show because, Paul, I, I am so often the sixth man on the court. I mean, I, I, you reference Cuomo. I'm very proud to have guest hosted for Chris at 9 p.m. Uh, I remind people that there was a five-year time period, wait until you hear this, where I guest hosted Hardball for Chris Matthews. And at the same time, Bill O'Reilly's Radio Factor. In that same era, I guest hosted for Glenn Beck when he was at Headline News before he went to Fox and got all dark. But also, I mean, I really cut my teeth guest hosting for Scarborough on Scarborough Country when that show was on at 10 o'clock at night in, you know, from Secaucus. And then they would drive me back to Philly and I was doing morning drive in Philadelphia and I would get up at by three o'clock in the morning, you know, hopefully having slept for two hours in the back of the car. But uh, I need to remember that I did that work for Scarborough too. It's just, it's funny the way it, it all looks in retrospect. Well, you're like a you're like a solid relief pitcher that needs to get in the, in a regular starting rotation. I feel like no offense, but you've well, been a backup when, for everybody across the board for you know, so when, long. I'm glad Chris, you've got your own show and your own platforms. Well, but you got a unique perspective recently, too. And I got the call, and they said, you know, will you will you do nine o'clock for a couple of weeks? Uh, a buddy of mine who's very media savvy, he said he said, look, you know, you're good. And you're safe. Don't make too much of it. You're good and you're safe. They need you to hold down the fort and not get in trouble. Can I can I ask you how hard is that to do when you are, you know, a political independent? And I want to dig that apart. I want to get into Ukraine. I'd love to get into the, the the latest on Trump and Biden, everything going on. But I'm really fascinated about your unique viewpoint because we talk so much on this show and this company is built around independence, unaffiliated, which, you know, I believe um, are the most important and powerful force in American politics right now. But you have been on all sides um, and you've often, does it feel like it's hard to wear other people's clothes? Cause that's what it's like when you're in someone else's show, right? You've got that's- their branding, their, their production crew. And, and for me in the small times I've done it, I feel like I'm kind of wearing somebody else's clothes. What is that like, Michael? It is so true. It is such a great observation. Um, Let me just go back to where I was a moment ago. When I would guest host for O'Reilly's Radio Factor, oftentimes on the same day, I would be guest hosting for Matthews on Hardball. And it stands to reason because they would vacation, you know, close to Christmas and then maybe in August. And that's when I would get the call. 
And I couldn't mention Matthew's name in Fox News and literally couldn't mention. They didn't want to hear any reference made to MSNBC. And then I'd go to MSNBC like two hours later and they it's like O'Reilly never even existed. And the cultures were so significantly different. And yes, I mean, very well-intentioned people would have the show ready in terms of guests that they wanted me to put on air or notes that they might want to share with me, but with that other host, the permanent host in mind. So it doesn't matter whether it was O'Reilly or Matthews or Scarborough or Cuomo more recently, you know, the, the group I'm working with are used to somebody else. And there are always challenges in that. I, I went through it in a very amiable way just a month ago uh, at CNN because they would say, well, they have a habit of booking for that 9 p.m. show. Truly, it's like nothing to have 10 people booked right. for that program. And I would get off my radio air and I'd say, geez, you know, I'm not so sure about going in that direction. And, and they rolled with it uh, in a way that I found admirable. But to answer your question, it's tough. It's tough. Mm. Hold me accountable for when you see me on my own CNN program or hosting my own SiriusXM program, because that is me doing what I want to do, booking the guests that I'm interested in and saying the things that I believe. Mm. Well, I, I think we, we've talked at least on my show a lot about how the polarization in politics is, is destroying our country. And, and I think it's a national security risk. Um, it, it's, it's, it's so essential to understanding this moment we're in. But I don't think the media is explored enough for its partisanship and the lack of, of support for truly independent voices who still have an opinion. You know, you're independent but you're not you're not neutral. You have you have an you have opinions. You take stands on things. There's a difference between that. But I, I you know read up in preparation of our conversation, and there was a moment where you left the Republican Party. You went out as an independent, and the question was, are you throwing your career away? Right? Can you succeed as an independent in media? And it's happening now, Michael, in a backdrop where you've got a Joe Rogan who is arguably independent in maybe a, a, a negative way or a positive way, depending upon how you look at it. But there is a new media landscape where you can create smirconish.com. You can you know, bounce from different spots, but your audience can follow you in a way maybe they couldn't five or 10 years ago. So can you talk about uh, this moment in the media and how hard is it to be an independent in the media? Well, it was extremely difficult then because what, what happened in my case is that I was I, you know, the, the dream of everybody who works in a market, a big market especially, is like, hey, if I can hold down morning drive in Philadelphia, I know I can do a syndicated program nationwide. After all, I'm guest hosting for O'Reilly in 500 markets on the radio factor. I want that gig. And just when that dream came true and I was being put into national syndication, now we're at the 2008 presidential election. And Paul, I had voted only for Republicans at the very top of the ticket from 1980 through 2008. But I became disenchanted with the way in which I thought the Bush administration had taken their eye off the ball and going for bin Laden, Zawahiri, and those responsible for 9-11. It's a whole story unto its own, but that really was the break point for me to decide it's Obama for whom I'll vote. Now the question is, I'm gonna go in there and close that curtain. Am I gonna tell this to my audience? I don't have to not going to help me if I do, but I decided that I kind of owed it to the audience to say, this is why I'm voting for Barack Obama. I'm not telling you who to vote for, but this is what I'm doing. And there was a huge, huge blowback. Uh, and it was perilous. 
to my career at the time. I mean, you know, those radio stations where I was being picked up, I was surrounded by Limbaugh and a stable of his lesser known imitators. And mm-hmm. I stuck out like a sore thumb. I remember, and I'll name the station, it was WOR in New York. It meant a great deal to me to have a mm-hmm. footprint in New York City. And the word came back from the station ownership about how, how upset they were when I changed in 2010 my registration to independent. And the email, which I saved somewhere, says, if this behavior continues, we're going to cut loose his show. Mm-hmm. I mean, such was the level of disgust. We can't have an independent on our flagship in New York City. We've got all these conservatives. Brutally difficult. I hope that I'm showing in a small way that you don't have to be doctrinaire and read talking points from the left or the right. There's a market out there for you, for you, for me, and for people who, frankly, the the bulk of the country, you know, 42%, according to Gallup, are I's. They're not R's. They're not D's. They need to be served as well. And nobody's doing it. Well, that, that's why I've been so eager to have I wore my independent American shirt. For the folks who are watching on video, you can see I've got the I shirt on. I'll get one for you, Michael, after you. We, we wrap. Um, but th- there is this moment in, in America where more and more Americans are choosing none of the above. The, the people who are leaving the Republican Party, especially right now, are, uh, is a high number. But also, I think, underreported and underappreciated is the number of young people who are not joining a party, right? You're kind of an older generation of Republicans, usually moderate, usually strong on national defense, maybe socially liberal, who leave the Republican Party. Um, you've got some folks that have left the Democratic Party because they felt you know, Kamala Harris or, or Bernie Sanders were too far left. There's a lot of politically homeless people. But this new generation, I think, is, is really the one that's exciting because you're of a generation where you wore, you know, one jersey and you switched your jersey. And then you've got folks like Andrew Yang who wore another jersey and are now switching. But what about the people coming up who never picked a jersey? There's this new generation of Americans that consider themselves independent and unaffiliated. But what is your insight into who independents and unaffiliateds are in America right now? So it's interesting that you raise that because my wife and I have four children, a daughter who's in a, who is in her early 30s and then three sons who are in their early to mid 20s. They didn't have the benefit that I had of growing up in a Republican Party where you could look to, you know, here's here's my prototypical uh, solid Republican, George Herbert Walker Bush, Papa Bush, Bush 41, class act dedicated his life to public service, given the way that he was raised, could have gone in a different direction and and never had to worry about, you know, taking care of other people um, because he had a very privileged background, but instead goes totally, you know, game on to help others and to serve. But today, if you were to ask the 20-somethings to identify Republicans, like, who are you getting? You know, you're going to get these fringe types that now dominate the media. And that's all they know. And I think that's what's driven them away from the Republican Party and to an extent away from the Democratic Party as well, because the people who the people who get all the attention are the bomb throwers, the verbal bomb throwers, those who succeed in social media and can fundraise from it. But they don't achieve. They don't accomplish squat. I mean, the the path I say this all the time, Paul, on my own program is the path to get ahead today in Washington is no longer to get elected establish seniority, choice committee assignment, and pass something. Now you better be nimble with your fingers in 140 characters, and you'll be able to raise a shitload of money if you can get a lot of people's attention. 
So when you, when you think about that, Michael, um, and we take it to the actual structure of our political system, we've talked a lot about uh, about about open primaries and ranked choice voting, which I think is key to fundamentally redesigning this because, uh, you know, George Washington famously warned us against the dangerous the dangers of parties. But now we've devolved into this bifurcated system where it's, you know, mutually assured annihilation on, on an almost daily basis. But when you look at the political system, um, I, I want to ask you two questions. First, First, what do you think are the structural changes that need to happen in order to allow space for independence to, to, to be viable? We see places like Maine and Alaska where it seems to be a better environment. But then also, who are those spirit animals? You know, I say it's not Andrew Yang. Uh, we had, you know, it's not Howard Schultz. Uh, there are a lot of folks who kind of self-appoint themselves as king of the independence, and they assess the problem correctly, but their solution is often themselves. You know, we had Adam Kinzinger on this show uh, a couple episodes ago. I think he does represent a lot of potential for those people who are political jump ball. So, Michael, what do you think needs to change structurally? And then who are the rising stars that independents can, can look to or root for? Okay, so I didn't fully answer your last question. There's one... Uh lingering thought that I want to offer, and it's this, because you wanted to know, like, really, who who is this group we're talking about? In the most recent Gallup survey, they initially asked, are you an I, a D, or an R? And 42% said, I am an I, I'm an independent. And this part I don't like. Gallup then pushed them and said, yeah, okay, but which way do you lean? And right. then the story came out, and the story said, oh, you know, the year began better for Democrats than it ended because the, here's what the party affiliation is between the R's and the D's. And I don't even remember the final number. It doesn't even matter to me. I was pissed that they had discounted the plurality who said, I'm an independent. And it's as if they didn't even exist. Okay. So I'm sure Gallup would say, well, a lot of people who claim they're independent, like the panache of thinking that they are independent, when in fact they're more an R or a D. That may apply to a lot of folks, but not to all 42% of us. I like that you acknowledged that uh, I have lots of views. I have views on everything. They just don't line up neatly into an ideological box at one end of the spectrum or the other. And Paul, the people that I meet, and maybe it's a function of my social circle or where I travel or where I speak, but I meet people for whom the issues are a mixed bag. They're conservative usually on fiscal issues, much more liberal or progressive on the social issues. Now, the answer to your question about structural change, there are a lot of structural changes that need to get made. I endorse your whole platform. Of course, we need open primaries. I like ranked choice voting. Campaign finance reform is something that we need to do so that people know who are spending for all these commercials where they have some disclaimer at the end that we can't even follow. Gerrymandering is a huge issue, but so too is self-sorting. There's something going on in this country now where those who can afford to are making geographical decisions and housing decisions to be with the like-minded, and we're being raised in these sort of parallel universes now. All those things are important, but at the top of my list, and I delivered a speech at the Reagan Library in September on exactly this, you've got to change the channel. The title of my speech was, It's Time to Change the Channel. We've never had as much media choice available to us as we do today, and yet so few of us are exercising it. Instead, we're siloed into this media landscape at the far left or the far right. I don't know about you. I don't go to bed at night 
without checking out the 9 p.m. slot at CNN, seeing what Rachel Maddow has to say, seeing what Hannity says. I want to hear and see all of it so that I'm getting a, a balanced perspective and then I'll make up my own mind. Now, look, that's what I do for a living. I realize other people don't have the time, but we got to get people to realize the dangerous impact of polarized media and, and, and get away from it and be open to more perspectives. Yeah, we are we are definitely kindred spirits in that regard. And 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 uh, you know when I when I started, you know, righteous, we looked at, at creating independent content for independent Americans and looking at the new media model because that you know presented more opportunity and lower costs and access to audience, and they can find us in a way that 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 um, you know wasn't possible. 10 years ago. But, you know, there, there's also a, a casting that goes on in, in the traditional media companies. And, and I, I'll say it. I mean, I don't think there are a lot of places that are looking to give, you know, older white guys shows right now. Right. I mean, the, the, you got MSNBC, for example, that's going all in on the Democratic Party. They're hiring Simone Sanders. They're giving her a show. They're not even trying to look distant from the Democratic Party. You know, and then you got Jesse Waters on the other side. Um, I, I do want to want to press you to, to come up with People you think are actually political uh, leaders who who I think that's the X factor too, Michael. Right? Question, but yeah, let me just, the, let the, me just the leaders my... that if I can hold on if I can, Michael. The question I want to ask too is in that environment you got Joe Rogan, right? And Joe Rogan's doing twenty million or so, like twenty times what CNN is getting. I, I don't know what the, what the metrics are, but but he's doing a massive audience that is maybe an audience that used to go to Imus or used to go to Stern or or used to go to Limbaugh in the early days. So c- can you talk about him specifically? Because he is a media force. He's a juggernaut uh, and he's got a real impact on, on our political landscape now. So uh, I'm familiar with Rogan's product because of my sons. I mean, Joe Rogan's a big story now. You and I are having this conversation at a time when Neil Young is saying to Spotify, either I go or Joe Rogan, you can't get much bigger than, yep. you know, being being in a, uh, a battle with Neil Young, at least in, in my view. Um, but before the Spotify deal and, and before he was a household name, I got turned on to Joe Rogan because of my sons, my 20 something sons. And and frankly, it was a lot of the UFO stuff. I'm trying to think of the name of the guy from from uh, Area 51. Oh, yeah. Ro- Rogan built a great name on, on UFOs and UFC. Yeah. Like that, you know, UFOs yeah. and UFC were like Rogan's bread and butter for a long time. And that was a good base, right? If you're a politician, that's two good bases right there. <laughs> no doubt. I, I can remember I can remember 20 years ago, uh, the head of UFC before he got big. The hell is my the guy that I'm thinking? Dana of. White. Dana White. Dana an, White. An, another another bald, outspoken guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. and, and Dana, Dana was my Dana was my uh, studio guest in Los Angeles. And we, we got along well. Um, and I remember him saying to me later, hey, later tonight, I'm going to one of those comedy outlets on Sunset to watch a comedian named Joe Rogan, you know, come wow. check it out and left me tickets. And I went over and I'm watching Rogan and here's Dana White. And I'm just thinking, like, look at the way their careers, you know, uh, grew yeah. from from that from that particular moment. What? Well, so I, I think that he's a gifted broadcaster. If you're asking me to assess the skill set and explain the success of Joe Rogan. He's smart. He's a good communicator. And the subject matter for me is hit and miss because I'll scroll through those podcasts often. And there's a lot of stuff, Paul, it's just not in my wheelhouse and I won't take time to uh, to listen. But I think that he has tapped into a disaffected audience of young people yep. who weren't getting 
what they're looking for from the cable outlets and a lot of the other conventional media. Yeah, we've we've talked about it a lot on this show. I mean, he's he's the middle finger to the man. Yeah. Right. And, and that's yeah. been a, a, always a part of American uh, independence. Right. And, and I think in, in independent uh, too often is being defined by others rather than the people who, who consider themselves. it. it's it's almost, you know, in a blanket way, conservative used to be a lot of different things to a lot of people. Uh, and now, you know, some people consider themselves very progressive and independent. Other people consider themselves right of center and independent. So I think it's it, it's kind of a malleable thing, but it's also not a monolith. I spent so much time in the veteran space. I used to say veterans are not a monolith. Well, independence are not a monolith either, but who do we look to um, by default, right? Since there is no, you know, you, I saw a post you had about Colin Powell, who was a, you know, icon and, and, a, and a transformative leader for so many folks, especially in the military. If Colin Powell had gone independent, that might've been, you know, a viable third party independent party, right? There are other people like that. We had Admiral Mike Mullen on this show. Oh, um, yeah. Who, who, who yeah, are the politicians that can beyond the structure, this is what I, what I think is missing. Michael is the magic, right? Like who is, who is going to be the magic candidate? Who's the first one to break the seal. And then if that person can also get a Mike Bloomberg or someone else to provide the funding, then we got some horses that are, that are viable, right? So who are those horses that you see that might be viable? Well, first thing I want to say with regard to how you just characterize the independent movement, I just want to add by definition it's hard to put a single face or demographic or definition because we're independent. We're not that and we're not this. So we're everything else right. that they don't represent. Um, you reference Mike Bloomberg. He would have been at the top of my list. You know, I, I, notwithstanding what happened to him in the debate at the hands of Elizabeth Warren, I was really bummed and, and also disappointed because I, I think that Bloomberg is such a smart guy that he had to have really done the legwork to investigate whether he'd have had a shot as an independent and must have concluded that he didn't or that the risk was just too great that he would have elected Donald Trump, which was the last thing that he reelected Donald Trump, which is the last thing that he wanted to do. But if Michael Bloomberg had taken a shot at uh, at president as an independent, and uh, Paul, when he when he opened a Philadelphia headquarters, it was on a Saturday morning, I got off my CNN show, I went and stood in the crowd just to be a part of what, what was going on. The funny thing was I was embarrassed because when it all ended and he came by and, and shook my hand, uh, he had not a clue who I was or why I might be there. And I was trying to, to lobby for an interview. But Bloomberg would be that kind of a guy. Schwarzenegger, notwithstanding the whole naturalized citizen issue and, and, and the presidency, I mean, Arnold fits that bill. I have tremendous respect for anybody who steps out of and is willing to oppose the people who we think brought them to the dance. Mansion and cinema get high marks from me. I wish that the mm. Senate had other unpredictable people in it instead mm. of individuals that you knew how they're going to vote on legislation based on whether it was introduced by an R or a D. So like, that's the type of person mm. that, that I'm yeah. looking for. Well, so I, 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 I have major issues with cinema and mansion. I mean, in, 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 in so many ways, but without going too far down that wormhole, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if they represent independence uh, as much as they represent, you know, flies in the ointment right now for, for Democrats. And maybe that's enough to, to be something different, but one specific, what do you think about Kinzinger? Kinzinger came on this program, said, you know, if basically he said, if Trump's the nominee, I will run, I will leave the Republican party. 
which may be the breaking point for others. But what do you think about Kinzinger's viability if you've got a Biden versus Trump matchup? Uh, first of all, I like Adam Kinzinger very much. I did one of the Sunday shows and, and uh, remember him from the green room and, and from uh, watching him in, in that closed space. And then, of course, what's happened to his career thereafter. Uh, he couldn't win. I hate to say that. Uh, I'd be much more comfortable with Adam Kinzinger than others. And I would have to think through fr- from, from where is he pulling those votes? If his idea is, I'll be the sacrificial lamb, I'll be the spoiler, I'll go take down Donald Trump. Are there people who are going to vote for him because they couldn't stomach voting for Kamala Harris? Like, I don't know. I have to think through and look at some data as to which way that cuts. I don't think that it helps Trump, but I don't know that it would cause the harm to Trump that could determine the outcome of the election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's I think the challenge for us as independents is to is to show that 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 candidates can be more than a spoiler. And I think that really starts at the local elections uh, and at the state level where there's still tremendous opportunity and and more favorable, you know, electoral conditions in, in some ways. So well, I can I also add, please. you got to get on the debate stage, you know, yeah, that, that whole yeah. commission on presidential debate, 15 yeah. percent. The way you get to 15 percent is when people see you on a debate stage. If yep. you can't get on the debate stage, yep. I, you know, I don't know how you got there. Look, I was. Uh, this also got me in trouble. Um, I voted for Gary Johnson and Bill Weld, and I was public about it. Uh, I, I probably would have reversed that ticket and had Weld at the top and, and Johnson in second position, but that was the way that I voted in the 2016 election. And honest to God, to, to read some of my hate mail, you would think that it all came down to my vote and I'm the one that caused Donald Trump to be elected and for Hillary to lose. Um, but I'm looking for that kind of. But you were voting. You were voting in Pennsylvania. Your vote. Your vote. I assume. Your, so your vote mattered. You weren't like me. You know, writing in uh, Ray Kelly for mayor in in New York City. <laughs> um, yeah. But but I think you know. There's also a realization too, Michael, that. A lot of the independent candidates suck as candidates. True. Like Michael Bloomberg, for all his accolades, and I wish he was mayor for life in New York City, was a terrible retail politician, right? Gary Johnson was was, was awful. I mean, especially after the Syria comments. I mean, I I got blistered because we hosted the commander-in-chief forum with with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, and uh, IAVA hosted it with, with NBC, and we got attacked, we got sued because Gary Johnson wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't in. That wasn't our decision. That was, that, was, that was Donald Trump's decision, and that was Hillary Clinton's decision. They basically said, if Gary Johnson comes, we're not coming. And that was what was happening in a lot of these backroom discussions that I don't think Gary Johnson supporters and, and, and libertarian supporters understood. You know, the media people didn't always have a vote because the other candidates just wouldn't share the stage with them. So I think that pressure has got to be there, too. Um, Michael, I hope you can stick around for a couple of extra questions, fun ones for our Patreon members, which help us uh, pay the bills. But before we get to that, um, how does this impact Biden now? Like, I think he's losing independence left and right. Uh, I think he's lost a ton over Afghanistan. I think the Democrats have underestimated how many they've lost over COVID. As a guy who's got a a kindergartner and a preschooler, I'm sick of the ridiculous mask nonsense. I'm in New York where we have a mandate. We don't have a mandate. And it seems really inconsistent. And I think one of the Democrats' uh, Achilles heels is always execution, being able to execute these big dreams they've got, whether it's Afghanistan or the pandemic. So can you talk to how 
How fucked is Biden with independence right now? In your well, view? I think the I, I think it's the NBC survey. I, I read so much of this data and I know you do, too. And I don't have it in front of me. But something within the last 48 hours speaks to the erosion of independence, as you just articulated. Clearly, that's where he's being hurt the most. It's not that there's been such movement among Republicans. There's been some movement from Democrats, but it's the very people you and I are talking about and trying to reach who have abandoned him. Here would be my take. I don't think that his strength, I don't think that his popularity or support, a better word, was ever all that strong to begin with in any of these groups, including Democrats. The reality is he was elected not because people were voting for Joe Biden, but because people were voting against Donald Trump. In the end, it was a referendum on Trump. And I don't know that it would have mattered all that much whoever the Democratic candidate was against Trump. And I think that Biden is suffering now because of, of, yes, the situation in Ukraine and the situation with COVID and inflation at a 40-year high and on and on and on. But interestingly, the lack of Trump's social media access, I think, is a detriment to Biden. Because Mm. Biden needs Trump out there for a split screen in order to drive his numbers. You know, the the best thing for Joe Biden, the networks are all turning their back on Trump rallies. He was just in Arizona and he's going to have another one this weekend. And you're going to have to really hunt to find it. Right. The best thing for Joe Biden would be if they'd all televise it. People would be Mm. like, holy shit. You know, what's Biden up to? Maybe it's not so bad. So I think he's he's harmed by the lack of a comparison. And also, and also because the the perception of, I I think him having, I hate to even say it, but having lost a step, his age, uh, and and, and just the lack of being able to think and act on on the margin. I think it's it's all of these factors that are catching up with him. I think that's right. The the best thing that can happen for Biden's reelection campaign right now is for Trump to declare he's running. I mean, because then the media has to cover him. And then you've got that that contrast on a regular basis, especially with regard to integrity and Biden being a person of character and and, and honesty and, and honor even. Right. And then you've got this other factor, which I really think people are underestimating war with Ukraine. Could be could save the Biden presidency or it could doom it. I mean, this this is already so complicated and has so many moving parts and and and. Uh, in my view, is is national security is often off the radar in this country, right? right. Uh, until until it's front and center, and that is dangerous in times where our, our domestic security is threatened, both outside and, and from within. So, in the same way, I think people are underestimating the threat of the January sixth uh, ripple effects. Ukraine, this is this is the real deal. I mean, we just ended a twenty year war. We might be about to start another one. Um, so, so do you, do you have a sense for national security specifically, how it could alter things even in the midterms? Well, I do. I don't know. Um, I don't know how Biden turns it around. I, I hope. I hope he doesn't turn it around because there's an international incident, some type of a national crisis brought on by events between Russia and Ukraine. But I don't see anything legislatively that turns it around. He's not getting Nothing. build back better through. I, I frankly, I, I don't, you know, one of the issues that maybe there's some ground is, is trying to button up uh, the manipulation of the electoral college tabulation. I would like to think that R's and D's could agree on that and they would, they would get that done. But I don't see big opportunity for legislative achievement between now and the midterms. I just don't think Mitch McConnell is going to yep. allow him to get anything done. And reconciliation is only going to provide so much. So, if he's not going to turn it around legislatively, 
wherein lies the opportunity? Is it responding to a crisis? We've got a number of them right now and they're not going well. If there is something untoward that happens with Ukraine, is he going to provide the leadership? I, I have my doubts. Look, what dogs him today is the worst thing a politician can face, which is a perception of weakness. Yep. That's where he's at. That's what, yep. that's, I think, the common denominator uh, of, of all of these things. So hope it doesn't come to that, but that could be an opportunity. Well, it, it feels like that and the biggest variable is their health, right? Like people say to me, who no, are no. the nominees? I say, it's going to be Biden or Trump unless one of them dies. Well, that, I say that, it's that's how be, I see yeah, it right I don't, now. I know? don't think I don't I don't believe Biden. There's no way there's just no way that Joe Biden runs for reelection, in my opinion. And I say three things about Trump. It's his nomination, if he wants it, as long as he's healthy, solvent and unindicted. Hmm. Yep. Well, in the meantime, we are going to be uh, watching your program. I urge everyone to listen to you on Sirius XM, uh, the place I used to hang out once in a while. Uh, watch you on CNN. Subscribe to your newsletter. Please. You've also got about 10 books you've written. Uh, you're everywhere. But I really want to thank you for being a conscience, uh, for being a voice of reason, for taking the hard road. One that, that I'm sure you've made great sacrifices uh, to take, but it's been to the betterment of the country and we need your voice now more than ever. And, and this uh, community kind. especially celebrates and, and appreciates you. Thank you, Michael, for all Thank that you Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. Look, it's a much easier road doing what you and I do or are seeking to do if you are one of the doctrinaire types. There's a natural audience. And guess what? It's a hell of a lot less work. All you have to do is rely on the talking points that people are hearing from every host who preceded you and will follow you. Well, I'll lead block for you anytime or follow your lead uh, as long as we're not rooting for the Eagles. But thank you, <laughs> my, my friend, and, and stay vigilant. Thank you. All right. That was an important one. And... An interesting one. And I hope Michael will join us again soon. Be sure to check him out on Sirius XM POTUS Channel 124, a place I used to hang out a bit. He's on from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. daily, and they replay his show at 9 p.m. to midnight. He's also on CNN Saturdays at 9 a.m. Eastern. He's got a YouTube channel, and you should check out his newsletter and Smirconich.com. He's another leader in the hard middle, and we're all on the same team. We're fighting the forces of partisanship, ignorance, and stupidity, and we're greatly outnumbered. So we got to stick together. We got to look out for the helpers, the helpers like Michael. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines, because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. The helpers are out there. We talk about them on every episode. And we've been highlighting them again and again, and we're going to continue to elevate them in the cold and critical days to come. Look for the helpers, people. They're out there. We see it time and time again, especially in the first responder community and especially in the last few weeks. After an awful fire in the Bronx that killed 18 people, including children, and another one in Philly, this week there was another one, this time in Baltimore. And three firefighters died trying to save others. Firefighters Paul Buttram, Kelsey Sadler, and Kenny Lacayo died trying to help others. Lieutenant Paul Buttram had been with the Baltimore FD for more than 16 years. 
He started in 2005 as a firefighter and a paramedic apprentice. Firefighter and paramedic Kenny Lacayo had been with the Baltimore Fire Department for seven years. He also worked with the Wheaton Volunteer Rescue Squad in Montgomery County, where he was named Paramedic of the Year in 2016. Lacayo's father was overcome with grief while speaking about his son this week. And this is what he said. I would like my son to be remembered as a son of a proud father, loving and caring, loved his community. And the reason I say that is because he liked to help people. That's what Kenny Lacayo's father said, that he was a helper. And firefighter and paramedic Kelsey Sadler was also a helper. She'd been with the Baltimore FD for 15 years. She was in the same recruit class as a firefighter and paramedic trainee who died in a training accident in 2007. And every recruit in that class was given an opportunity to leave. But Kelsey Sadler decided to continue with her career. All three of them died as heroes trying to help others. And it looked like we might lose a fourth firefighter. Firefighter John McMaster was trapped in the rubble and it took hours to get him out. But there's good news now that after being on life support, he's in fair condition and seems to be improving. So say a prayer and keep John McMaster in your thought. He's a helper. Look for the helpers. They're out there. And we'll continue to recognize, honor, and celebrate them. And speaking of helpers, there's some more good news to share. Frankie Sarah is on Twitter. Yes, our old friend Rob Sarah and his podcast continue to chug along. And his fantastic and talented daughter Frankie is now on Twitter. So you should follow Frankie on Twitter. Hey everybody, welcome to Frankie's Firehouse Feast. Today we are making Nanny Sunday Sausage Meatballs. In a large pot, pour in the extra virgin olive oil and onions. Have the tomato cans open and ready to saute. Cook on low-medium heat for at least another hour with the cover half on stirring often. Don't forget to scrape the bottom. Manja! Frankie's another kind of helper, and she's an extended member of that incredible and dynamic firefighter and first responder community. The people you can look for, who step up when the fires get the hottest. And be sure to check out the Firefighters with Rob Sarah. He's got an incredible episode from two weeks ago where he digs into the fire in the Bronx and the fire in Philly. And he's got a new episode coming up on Friday that'll cover the fire in Baltimore. You can get it wherever you got this show or thefirefighters.us. Tell everybody you know about Rob Sarah's show, The Firefighters, and you'll find out recipes from Frankie Sarah, who might be the next major media star. And continue to use the hashtag look for the helpers on Twitter and share the helpers in your life. And while you're online, you can also see video from my conversation with Michael Smirkanich, and you can get Independent Americans gear. If you've never checked it out, go to independentamericans.us and check it out. I wore one of our shirts for this episode. You can see it in the video, but I really dig it. It's got a very cool eye in it. It's a logo that Chris designed, and the shirts are super comfortable. It's the perfect Valentine's gift for your favorite independent. While you're on the website, you can also join our Patreon community. It's all at independentamericans.us. Big shout out to all of our Patreon members. You continue to keep this machine chugging along. I am grateful for every single one of you. If you're not a Patreon member and you're rolling into the new year, think about joining us. You'll get behind-the-scenes content. You'll get a special extended portion of this interview with Michael Smirkanich, where he tells you about his first car. Hint, 
It's a Mustang, and it's a really good story. And access to events, merchandise discounts, online events, and much more. That's only for our Patreon members. Check us out, and you get to continue to support this important show. And while you're online, check us out on social media. Of course, follow Independent Americans, follow me, and you can guess the guest every Wednesday. I use the hashtag and I post a mysterious picture that'll give you a clue but won't give it all away. And you can guess the guest. And more and more of you are playing every week. I want to thank a couple of you who've played recently, especially Michael Galani Quintaro, who last week correctly identified Soledad O'Brien. Michael from Seattle, Washington, was the only person to correctly guess the guest. Congratulations, Michael. Others participated, threw out some great ideas and missed it by that much. It was a little wide right. Tom Benson Jr. from Durham, North Carolina. He guessed that it was him, himself. It wasn't him, Tom, wasn't you. And he also guessed Malcolm Nance. It was not Malcolm Nance. Jeff Feitner from California guessed Bradley Whitford, which was not correct, but close. And Denise Kipstel from an unknown location guessed Stephanie Rule. All great guesses, all previous guests, all incorrect. But good guesses of past guests, and you can check out all those past episodes if you go back and listen or watch wherever you got this episode, or you can go to independentamericans.us. You can watch or listen to Soledad O'Brien, Malcolm Nance, Bradley Whitford, Stephanie Rule, and a hundred others. We've got some great folks back there, so check it out. Like Michael Smirkanich, they've all visited this amazing Gilligan's Island of Independence, so check them out. And as always, please support us and go to the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars. Be sure to subscribe. It's 100% free. And please share. And if you hate this show and you only want to give it one star, remember, my name is Tucker Carlson. That's Tucker. It's got a T and an A in it. And it's spelled T-R-A-I-T-O-R. That's T-R-A-I-T-O-R. Tucker Carlson. One star. Make it happen. And we're going to continue to make it happen. Righteous Media is going to continue to bring you the five eyes in all our podcasts and everything we do. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact with more podcasts coming next month. Stay tuned for more. We have a big announcement coming next week and a couple weeks after that. We've got a new show and a big name you will recognize that is joining the Righteous Media Network and powering us into 2022 and beyond. And of course, helping us change the system and joining us on that island of independence is the Righteous Media team. Creative Chris Rosenthal, brilliant Bill Schultz, and precise Paula Hernandez. My thanks to all of them. And of course, my amazing wife and two boys who are a part of this movement and a part of everything that we do. It is damn cold tonight where we live. Negative two degrees. But despite the cold, my kids continue to remind me that you can still have fun. Once a week, every Thursday, at my son's school, instead of going to gym class, they go sledding. I love this. It's a really special part of where they go to school, and they go sledding. But they make the most of it. And that's a good lesson for winter, for times when you're tired, and for cold times in America. We've all got to make the most of it, especially in these hardest weeks of winter. And we got to work together. America is more divided than ever, and it looks like it's going to be even more divided in the days ahead. But we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change that, adding light to contrast to heat. So if you're among that 42% of Americans that are independent, this is your show and this is your media network. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, but you're not a diehard, this is your place. 
And if you're a concerned American who cares about the future, this is your place. All are welcome. We invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. Join us on the island that is growing into a continent. Unlike the NFL, there is no limit to the number of players we can have on this team. And we want you to join us. So please keep sharing the hope because hope is the oxygen of democracy. It's what drives people through the hardest times. To win playoff games when it seems impossible. To save others when it seems impossible. And to change your country when it seems impossible. It's that energy that will keep this movement of independent Americans growing week by week by week. So stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And no, you are not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant and we're all in this together. And we are growing in numbers. When the weather gets rough, the crew steps up. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would have been lost. And if not for the courage of fearless independent Americans now, in this critical time with rough waters ahead, America may be lost. From Patrick Mahomes to Josh Allen to even Tom Brady to Stevie Wonder to Michael Smirkanich to Frankie Sarah to firefighter John McMaster to the Harlem Globetrotters to Gilligan himself to you. All across this country, we're all in this together, especially in overtime. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the playoffs and stay vigilant, America. So join us here each week, my friends. You're sure to get a smile from seven stranded castaways here on Gilligan Time. Powered by Righteous Media.